Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, breaking down the world of tennis with your hosts, Val Fabo and Joel Frucci. Hello and Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad, all those types of things. And it's it's great to be back. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Val Febo here with you. And this week has been just huge. We've had a visa cancellation. We've had a court case. We've also had some tennis, believe it or not. I don't know how it's slipped under the radar, but the summer of tennis is upon us. And to talk about it all with me is Joel Frucci. Happy New Year, Joel. Uh, it's, it's a new show. We've got a new intro. I thought that we'd start the show mm. a little bit differently by talking about um, lots of different things because that's exactly what's happened over the last week. It's been absolutely bizarre. First off, Happy New Year. How are you? Thank you, Val. Yeah, Happy New Year, mate. Good to see you again. Um, yeah, I've been all right. I've just come back from uh, sunning myself down in the Mornington Peninsula for a, a couple of weeks and back at work now. So feeling fresh and keen to get into uh, the first show of the year and yeah, you're right. What a what a way to start the year it's been. Um, I guess, geez, we almost may as well dive straight into it because, oh boy, it's been crazy. It's it's all that the tennis world is talking about. It's all that anyone is talking about. Maybe we should start off just by just by. I'm going to ask you, just to start with, when this whole thing broke, right? And we heard that we heard that Novak got his exemption and he flew to Australia. The morning after, when we woke up and we checked the news. And <laughs> the proverbial hit the fan. What was your immediate reaction? Um, do you really want to know? Because I laughed a lot. <laughs> I, I laughed a lot because in my head, I was just... I, look, in all honesty, and Joel, in, in all honesty, it, it was more laughing out of shock because I wasn't... I didn't think that that would ever happen. We joked about it the night before didn't we? Mm. We said, imagine he gets sent back and it almost happened. And we'll get into what happened. We've got Jed Zetzer joining us tonight. He's going to talk to us about what tennis has actually been played so far this year. And we'll get his thoughts on uh, on Novak Djokovic as well. Jed and oh, I yeah, tennis. did cool. see him train at Melbourne Park today. So um, be keen to hear Jed's thoughts on, on how he thinks Novak looked. And I'll get into that as well a little bit later. But as you said, Novak Djokovic came here with a medical exemption. It was a dubious medical exemption, Joel. But he's he's here. We've gone through a court case, and I did see a meme. Um, how it started: Novak smiling at the airport with uh, in front of the plane, um, and then in the middle, a lot of squiggly lines and a lot of the, and then just the words in between, and then Novak with his team on Rod Laver Arena at midnight after he uh, after he got out of detention, um, and how it ended. So, um, I'm still at a loss in all honesty, to to put it, or to say the least, because it was just it was just such a bizarre phenomenon, really. You, you don't see high-profile sports cases go to court like that and have the entire world transfixed on your city, especially when we're in Melbourne. Like, this doesn't happen much here. Like, I, I, I no. think it barely happened here. You see it in America a little bit and in Europe, but... Um, it, it was bizarre. We had the Serbian fans outside of his hotel, outside what was called, and I spoke to a British journalist today. Um, he called it um, as a joke, the cockroach cavern. Um, <laughs> wow. And I thought that was quite funny. Um, no cockroaches to be seen. I, I, I don't think anyway. The room didn't look that bad. Um, and so we had the, the Serbian fans outside there, outside the hotel saying free nolle in Carlton in Melbourne. 
we had the Serbian president saying all sorts of things about Australia. We had he who must not be named and she who must not be named. And the parents have said Novak Djokovic and they will remain nameless because I just can't say them without getting angry. Uh, making all sorts of outlandish remarks about Australia, about how Novak's been treated, about all these sorts of things. They they compared him to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Insane, isn't it? Well, like, Joel, oh. just give me a word to describe, and I know we've gone off the boil, but how have you found this last week? Because I'm still a little lost for words for what's actually happened. The last week, in a word, uh, yeah. bewildering. I think would be yeah. would be one that uh, that I would go with. The whole thing is uh, is is just madness, really, from from start to finish. I mean, we were look. I was pretty surprised to hear that um, in the first place that he was getting the exemption because it was really. Let's face it; it was no secret that he was not vaccinated. Yeah. Um, so to hear that he um, was was going to get the exemption was a surprise to start with. Um, especially considering all that's really been said, not only in in Australia in the past year, mainly in 2021, and and uh, but also in Victoria as well. There's been a really, for any international listeners, there's been a hardline stance um, against. Well, I'm just going to say against the unvaccinated. Really, um, there's been a big push for vaccination, mandated vaccinations um, among the the community here. Um, I think we're up to like 93 or 94 percent. Yep. vaccination in uh in victoria alone and just given that um it's a surprise that he found his way in um and then just what what has what has followed that has just been utter chaos really there's no other there's no other way to put it the whole thing just just looks bad um and really you have to i mean you have to wonder i have an opinion on on this but you just have to wonder how it how it came to this um, and, you know, how how this seemingly this breakdown in communication happened between all these key stakeholders, really. Well, let's get into that, shall we? We'll go through the timeline of what actually happened because uh, we, we need to go through it to discuss the events that have transpired and even as recently as today. Um, so Djokovic... Mm, still going. <laughs> exactly. Well, we don't know if he's still going to get deported or not. We do not know. So happy new year, everybody. This was on the 4th of January. Wishing you all health, love and happiness in every present moment. And may you feel love and respect towards all beings on this wonderful planet. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've spent fantastic quality uh, with my loved ones today and uh, over my break. And today I'm heading down under with an exemption permission. Let's go 2022. Safe to say, as you said, the proverbial hit the fan. As soon as that was posted... I think mm. it was kind of a slap in the face to all Melburnians. And all That's what it felt like. Yeah. Well, to most, I'm going to say normal Melburnians, um, it felt like a slap in the face because of all the things that we've been through. And the number 262 has been floated around a lot. It's probably Victorians' least favourite number because that's the amount of days that we've spent in lockdown, in hard lockdown as well. Mm. So we've come from having that where a lot of people have lost their jobs over the vaccinations that people don't want to be vaccinated. That's their choice. Okay. They've lost their jobs. An AFL player, Liam Jones has had to retire um, to put it into a sporting perspective as well. So Australian rules football, Carlton football club player, Liam Jones um, retired in, I think October, November because there of vaccination yeah. and no fuss, just retired, didn't get it. Okay, fair enough. You handled it well. 
Djokovic has been arrogant to say the least in terms of the way that he's gone about talking about the vaccinations and discussing um, his stance on it and whether he has had it or whether he hasn't. It's now come out that he hasn't. So continuing, he arrives at the airport the next day, what, at midnight, something like that, Joel? And It was late. Yeah, it was, it was, we were sleeping. Let's just put it that way. Um, and we wake up in the morning to the news that Novak Djokovic has been detained at the airport and his visa has been taken off him. So Scott Morrison put that out on social media saying Mr. Djokovic's visa has been cancelled. Um, rules are rules, all this sort of stuff. And then all of the different players came into effect. We had the opinions from Serbia calling Australia still a colonisation, a lot of racist remarks coming from the Nole fam, which I thought were quite disgusting. Um, then we had Djokovic's father saying that he's been tortured, he's been crucified, blah, 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 absolute load of garbage. And then we've had the Serbian president coming out and having a go at Australia as well. Um, we've had a very, very divided tennis community um, discussing the events that have transpired. Um, a lot of opinions floating about here and there. But the facts that we have seen, Joel, and this is what we need to dive into. So Novak Djokovic said, uh, and to get a medical exemption, so you need to have a valid reason to get into Australia without being vaccinated. And Greg Hunt, one of the federal government ministers. A health minister. Health minister. Told Craig Tiley, the CEO of Tennis Australia, in November that previous contraction of COVID-19 within the last six months is not a valid reason to have a medical exemption if you are unvaccinated. It is not valid. Craig Tiley went to the Victorian government. I don't know where this got lost in here, but went to the Victorian government, went to a medical panel there. And I think the ruling got mixed up that if you are within Australia and you've had the virus within the last six months, and this is the official ruling, if you're in Australia and you've had it within the last six months, then you do have a medical exemption. But that is if you live in Australia. If you're an international traveller, that is not the case. Cannot put it more mm. clearly than that. So the Victorian government has given Novak Djokovic the tick of approval. Tennis Australia have forwarded this to Novak Djokovic. Now, the deadline date for receiving a medical exemption was the 10th of December, 2021. Djokovic says that he tested positive for COVID-19 for the second time on the 16th of December. Six days after the deadline makes mm. sense. Told it's a problem. Told the Australian Border Force that he had not travelled yet after he apparently he went to Barcelona on one of those days uh, after he had COVID-19, but also went to a foundation function where he took photos with children, unmasked, knowing that he had COVID, also went to do a photo shoot with Lequip about being their champion of champions for 2021, took the photo unmasked, but said today that he socially distanced and didn't want to let the journalists down uh, and that it was an error of judgment. Well, due to the fact that when you have a PCR test, you've got to be isolating anyway, and your mum said you didn't know you had it and you've just admitted that <sighs> you did know, 
I don't know what's going on there. And then all of a sudden to get to Australia and get off with all of this evidence that stacked against him, all of this evidence, Joel, and because he wasn't allowed the proper time to speak to his people after he got detained in Australia, and I think it was from 7.44 um, that he wasn't allowed and he was supposed to be able to speak to his people from eight, uh, up until 8.30 or something like that. So it was about a 46-minute window that he missed out on. That is why, on a technicality, it seems as though Novak Djokovic has got off. And as soon as the judge, uh, Judge Taylor said, what more could this man have done? That was pretty much the writing on the wall for the Australian government. Yeah. What more could he have done, Joel? Well, I mean, where do you start, really? <laughs> what more he could, could have done? <laughs> oh, boy. I'm sorry. Um, I, I mean, it's for a, a long time then. I just wanted to get the timeline of events. And I, look, I've probably forgotten something here. Well, what more could he have done? Well, I think, simply put, he could have been vaccinated. But I guess, you know, maybe for a man of his uh, complex nature, that was, you know, too straightforward. But anyway, um, that's what I would have done. But yeah, I, look, I think, I think to be honest, Val, the most disappointing thing um, in all this, and I guess just the, the unraveling of, of evidence, the trail of destruction that has been left um, by, by this, was actually finding out that uh, Novak was at the, at the foundation event waiting for... The test. I think that's really wrong. Um, you know that. Yeah, I, I guess morally, the biggest the biggest kick in the, you know, cojones for me was, um, you know, I guess the fact that he actually got into the country without being vaccinated. But um, you know, other than that, I think it's just plain wrong, really, that he was there. Um, yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's really it. I think we've got a lot of other things that we could we could probably say um, about it, but. Yeah, in terms of what more he could have done is just get the damn vaccination. Yeah. Agree. I don't know. Sorry, why it was he, Judge oh. Anthony Anthony Kelly, not Judge Taylor. I don't know where I got Taylor from, but Anthony Kelly. Um, and you're right. You are right, Joel. What I just don't understand why. And and look, the vaccination does not protect you from the virus, but it does help because I think we're all going to get it at some point. But the vaccination does not protect you. I'm not saying it does, but we encourage it because it's going to limit the effects and it's going to protect the community around you. It's proven. It, the hospital, the hospitalization rates amongst COVID patients have gone down significantly since people have been double vaxxed. Significantly. Yeah. I, I, just, I just would like to think that, and sort of, you know, Novak always talks about, um, uh, you know, sort of love and good vibes, and um, you know, coming to Australia. I mean, he's he's won he's won this thing nine times, right? Like he 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 owns Melbourne Park. He obviously loves this place. Well, maybe before last week he loves this place, but I I just would have thought that you know coming here again, knowing what this place has been through, hard lockdowns and a whole lot of misery. I just think it would have you know, helped a little bit if you just had a, you know, read the room and, you know, just that's not to say that he doesn't necessarily know, but it's just uh, his actions just don't reflect that. So, yeah, I don't know. It would have been good to, to, I guess, see a little bit more respect for the the environment that he's entering. Um, And also back on the, just back, uh, just very quickly, Val, back on the topic of what more he could done. I also really, I don't buy the, 
the stuff about administrative errors. Um, he would have a massive entourage, Novak. I just, I just, just yeah. cannot fathom how anyone that is on his team could commit an oversight as bad as they have when it comes to official immigration paperwork and that sort of thing. And it make it doesn't make any sense. None of this makes any sense. And then to make matters worse, it's destroying the reputation of tennis in this country because it's divided Absolutely. a lot of people. There's been a lot of talk of boycotting the Australian Open uh, in the in the case of both results, if he gets deported and if he plays. And I think more people will probably boycott it and not go if he does play, which is really disappointing because it's a great event and we do love the event. Um, so, and, and I feel as though, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the actions of Novak Djokovic are destroying tennis because Roger and Rafa and Serena and Venus have done such a wonderful job of bringing people to the sport. And yes, Djokovic has done that, but his character, his self-character suicide missions that he's gone (laughs) on uh, over the last two years have just been, it's just dumbfounding some of the things that he's done, Mm. whether go back to May 2020 when he's partying with his shirt off in the middle of the start of the pandemic when everybody was so frightened and it just it, yeah. no reading of the room at all. And that no, it's just, has stayed at the same level. Yeah, it's just, it's such a shame that he, he just continues to find himself in the midst of, of these controversies where he makes these decisions and you just wonder why, what are you thinking, Novak? Because, you know, we, you and I share very similar views on him in that we, we question a lot of these ideals that he has, but... You know, it's sad because you look at him as a pure athlete and he's unbelievable. Like the the the, the way that he looks after his body, mm. uh, the mental fortitude that this guy has and just he, I mean, let, let's be real. He's unbelievably good at tennis. Like, yeah. you know, we've, we've seen, we've been lucky in the last couple of decades that we've seen arguably the greatest tennis players we've ever seen. Um, and of, of course, with, you know, advancing technologies, et cetera, but that's men and women, but um, you know, Novak, I would argue, is is one of is the the most. I'm just going to say the most incredible pure athlete that I have ever seen. He's unbelievable, but it's yeah. just it's such a shame that it just counterbalances with all these just bizarre ideas and theories and 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 actions. It's that's just the thing for me that just that just continues to carry on because you know when. I imagine there's so many coaches out there and, you know, I, I would love to ask this to someone like, like Mark Saforce, of course, our, one of our great friends um, about, you know, the players that, that you sort of, when you coach, you kind of, you know, you, you put on the, on the board and you, you say to your, um, you know, your students, your kids, you know, this is who we should aspire to be as a, as an athlete, as a tennis player, one of the, one of the players that you're putting up there is Novak without question, but, Again, it's just it's just the off court stuff, really. That and, yeah. it just yeah, it just it irks me. That's it. It irks me. And he he's become a charlatan in a way because he's promoting things that that are anti science, and and this is the problem. It's just and Rafa said it perfectly. Rafa said, "Get vaccinated." 
pretty much. Yep. And they, they were, they, and he doesn't want to see Novak in this position. And you know, we'd rather you know the world number. I don't one think anyone does, but it's not just... be detained in a de- in a detention center. But you know, if you're going to do the wrong thing by the people that you're visiting and the community that you're visiting, it's going to happen. You need to abide by the rules, and the vaccination is the first thing that you do 97 percent of the atp's top 100 are vaccinated and i think it's tennis sandra novak Djokovic, and i'm not sure who the third one is i thought it was pierre Hugebert, but he's 110 in the world so i'm mm. not sure who that third one is but it's um it, it is bitterly disappointing and and uh he may still get deported Alex Hawke has the power, the immigration minister, um, to send him home. So he still might get sent home. There is murmurings that he might say that he's injured and go home so that he can come back and not be banned for three years because he, if he is kicked out, he is banned for three years. And there's also mm. the issue of the um, the Czech player um, and the unnamed official who were sent home. So, we're, uh, look, I want to get Jed Zetz's thoughts on this so let's let's uh let's get to him the writer for the first serve he's the first serve extraordinaire he knows everything about the australian players so let's get to jed Zetzer. let's ask him his opinion and add him into the conversation because it uh it's it's still beggaring belief and we've got him on the line now jed how are you mate it's um this whole novak Djokovic situation joel and i are still trying to wrap our head around it i was i i saw you today and we were talking about it a little bit um it's bloody bizarre, isn't it? Guys, it's a pleasure to be here. Is The only way I can describe it, it is an absolute mess. It is a circus. That's, that is the only way I can describe it. Now, we, we've talked about and we've talked about the, the timeline and everything and how it doesn't add up. And it, I want to know, and from both of you, I think this is a good conversation to have between the three of us. Who is... Who is the most at fault here? Because it doesn't look good on anybody. I think everybody here has lost out. The Australian federal government has lost out. The Victorian government has lost out. The um, Tennis Australia has lost out. Novak Djokovic has lost out. There are no winners in this situation. Nobody looks good. So I want to ask both of you, who who looks the worst? <laughs> Gee, this is... Where, where do we even start with this one, Jed? I, I Look, personally, oh, I... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. I look, I and I'm still thinking about it now. I still haven't really decided, but I am tending to lean a little bit towards Tennis Australia just because I think the the letter that surfaced from Greg Hunt's office I thought was quite damning. Um, for for mine, that was quite clear cut in terms of what the what the rules were uh, and what the entry conditions were. Um, and I don't know. It just it seems to either just get lost somewhere or dare I say, ignored. But again, no one really seems to know. But personally, that's that's my view. I think I agree with you. I think, to be honest, the, the res- Novak is responsible. At the end of the day, the mess lies with Djokovic because he isn't vaccinated. And it's pretty much as simple as mm. that. In this day and age and with the conditions of playing on the tour, it's pretty much... You can't, you can't really, well, you shouldn't really be able to get away um, with playing and being unvaccinated. Obviously, he has, well, we think he's going to at this point. Um, and that's, so, so, the, so the mess lies with Novak. He's responsible ultimately for it. But then the, in comes Tennis Australia. And 
an element of responsibility lies with them for actually allowing him to play the tournament. Like, let's put getting into the country aside. They have a set of rules. And Tennis Australia, you've always got to remember, they see the Australian Open as a player-first tournament. So they want to accommodate for all the players. That is their number one thing. It's in their day. It's in their DNA, as Paul McNamee's um, said on Twitter. So we, we know that. But that's so it lies with Novak. But there's an element of responsibility with Tennis Australia, and then also the government, who have just really they've they're the ones who have then made this mess even bigger. They've they've almost like dissected this mess, spread it out, and just said, "Well, here it is. That is that's <laughs> essentially what's happened." So they've they've exploded the mess that was already existent. So let's so, so we'll go back to why everyone does look bad as well because I, I think it's really important to stress this out and to stress out all the events here. So I also and and the Czech player as well, Renata Voracheva. I, I wanted to get her name right, so that's why I said Czech player because I knew it was a bit of a difficult one to pronounce. So, but I, I feel sorry for her the most because she's been an innocent bystander in all this a little bit. She should be vaccinated, of course, if you want to come to Australia. I'm not sure what her exemption was, but she's now out of Australia. And she's hoping to come back. So she's been a victim of who she is. Novak has obviously stayed in the country because of who he is, it seems to me anyway. So why everyone is at fault? Tennis Australia for really ignoring the federal government's advice and um, and going through the Vic government to get this done. And getting Novak in, Novak would have been privy to those conversations. I, I, uh, he must have been. Djokovic for all of the things that we've discussed so far: the COVID test, um, going around having COVID, lying about when he had COVID, if he travelled, or something along those. Li- he didn't lie about when he had COVID. I should say he mainly about when he travelled and all those sorts of things that have come out afterwards. Um, the Australian government probably more so for not acting swiftly enough and the border force, I must say, for not allowing him until 8.30. And then the Victorian government for not checking with the federal government. I think that's why everybody looks bad here. But I think, I reckon in all honesty, I think Tennis Australia are probably the ones that look the worst off. And I understand, Jed, that they are a player first event, but they are located within the Australian Open is located within Melbourne. And as Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews said, one person is not bigger than the entire tournament. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll just start off by, and I'll let Joel chip in here as well once I'm done, but I'll just start off by going back to your comments about Renata. And I'm at the risk of offending you, I'm not going to try and pronounce her last name. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think. And I'll start off by saying, I don't know her situation. We don't know her situation, whether she can't be vaxxed because of a genuine medical condition. So I will acknowledge that. But whilst we we come out and we give Novak a bit of flack for not being vaxxed and saying he's responsible for this, well, at the end of the day, yes, she has been almost sort of like an innocent bystander, but would this have happened if she was vaccinated? No. You know, so at the end of the day, you've got to say, well, you know, yeah, you've, you've probably got the bad end of the stick here, but at the same time, it wouldn't have happened if you were vaccinated. So she, she's not exactly innocent if she was able to get vaccinated and it was a choice thing. Once again, if she's got a medical condition that doesn't allow her to, then I absolutely admit I'm wrong. But from that point of view, I think that she has to also sort of be that we have to acknowledge that. Um, and in terms of Tennis Australia, I mean, look, it's... It, 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know who looks the worst here. I don't know. It's I'm, I'll ask Joel what he thinks, who, who looks the worst. I just think everyone looks bad. Yeah. And I'm just not sure. Mm. I'm not sure Tennis Australia looked the worst, in my opinion. I just feel like Djokovic, especially with the revelations that have come out today and the fact that he did this interview when he had COVID, and it, it, something's fishy. Something's fishy about yeah. this all as well. Yeah. No, it's fishier than Port Phillip Bay, this one. I, I think, um, look, I, I think... <laughs> I still think that Tennis Australia probably looked the worst because I, I firmly believe that that letter that came out of Minister Hunt's office was was quite damning in in what it had in what it had in there. But look, I think I think Jed made a really good point about I mean the easy the easy way out of this. Well, not even the easy way out of this. The easy way to avoid this was just to get vaccinated. And I think at least. In in our context, boys, like we're Melbournians, we're Australians, we we know what mm. the go is here. What's happened in the last couple of years? Um, we're all vaccinated. I mean, um, I, I think from the context that we're looking through, um, you know, I think Novak's reputation is probably in absolute tatters, at least here. Um, yeah. And just from, um, but it, I think I think you know when you when you look at him, um, I think it certainly depends who you ask because I think if we lined up ten Melbournians and asked and asked them all, I reckon nine out of ten of them would probably would probably look at him in a bad light. But I don't know if you just pluck say, um, and I hate to quote as as Val put it earlier, um, a cesspit like Reddit tennis. If you pluck ten people out of Reddit tennis, line them up and ask them, I reckon the the opposite would happen. I reckon nine of them would stand up for him. So yeah, it's um it's. It's a difficult one, but just to, I guess, package up all that, I, I still think that TA probably don't look so good. Yep. Can I, can I just chip in? Can I, I just want to say quickly, it has to be acknowledged as well that TA haven't really tried to defend themselves yet. They haven't really responded formally and officially to all, you know, all these allegations, all these claims, because there's a court case going on. And yes, the first court case is finished, but there's a high chance there'll be another court case. So they haven't yet come out and made like an official statement trying to defend themselves. Do you know what I mean? So I think that Tennis Australia do look bad at the moment, but, you know, the government and Djokovic, they've actually had a chance to defend themselves. Djokovic made a massive statement today. Like TA haven't had that opportunity yet. And that could be why people see them as looking the worst at the moment, if you want to say that. Yep. And, and there's so, and you're right, there's so many other narratives here to play out within the larger narrative. So I, I think, yeah. Mm. So uh, look, all hearsay at the moment, I think we can all have our opinions on, you know, who looks the worst at the moment. I, I And look, I tend to agree with Joel. I think it's TA followed very closely by Novak. But yeah, it's. I think at the end of this story, we'll see. And look, there's murmurings that Novak Djokovic, as I said before to you, Joel, that Djokovic might actually pull out and go home and not play the event, and they can come to some sort of deal where, you know, where he may just say that he's injured, so he can come back the next year. Um, and I actually think that would make him look even worse, to be honest. Like after going through this whole process, you know, taxpayer money going into this court case, um, yep. and then all of a sudden he pulls out and. You know he's gone home. Um, yeah, that's. I, I, I can't see him doing it. No, I, either can I. But yeah, I, I just think that would be. He's too just stubborn. Staggering. He's not going to fall over his old his own sword like that. Yeah, and, and he he, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would do that either. The difference is, does you know? Because if he did, he would get vaccinated. So yeah, and that, and that's exactly right. But if 
he does if he doesn't leave then you've got the very very high possibility that he comes out to a chorus of boos and jeers from the from most of the Rod Laver Arena crowd because it, it is going to happen. I can guarantee that there are going to be boos in every one of his matches, and it may be in between every point. I'm not sure, but it may be. The Australian crowd can be very fickle when they want to be. We know this. Yeah. We've we've sat within them at the footy. We've sat within them at the tennis. We know what they can be like, and we can We're see. We're loud. It. We are loud. Exactly right. And then there's also the fact that if he does leave. If he leaves now and and does the injury thing that I suggested, he doesn't get banned for three years for coming into the country because he's not deported. But then the next one is if he does get deported, he can't come back to Australia for three years. And that's the risk that, that that's the risk for him because it's a grand slam that he misses out on for three consecutive years. And that'll probably see him. That's one. Yep. He's won it nine times. So it's it's peculiar. It's, this is the most bizarre situation, the most bizarre tennis situation that I've ever seen and that I think we will ever see in our lifetimes. Yeah, I tend to agree. agree. Yeah. Um, but, Jed, look, we got you on. We, we don't want to talk about we, – we've spoken about Novak for about half an hour. We want to talk some actual tennis. <laughs> believe it or not, there was tennis last week, guys. I, I can't believe this. I didn't, I didn't know. I, I wasn't aware. Um <sighs> But we had we had the Melbourne uh, Somerset, we had the Adelaide International, we had the ATP Cup, we had a, a smorgasbord of tennis happening around the nation. And mm. Ed, I think um we'll, we'll start with, and we know that your heart lies very very closely with the Aussies. You follow the Aussies around for a very long time and report so 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 beautifully on them. Um, Tanasi Kokonakis was. Absolutely phenomenal last week. I think he has been the field and today as well of tennis. What would you say, Joel? And today as well. And today, exactly. And today um, being Wednesday. Yep, today being Wednesday and beating John Isner. But I think for the first week and a half, Tanasi Kokonakis has been the feel good story of both the ATP and WTA for 2022. Mate, I could not agree more. This is, you know, the we've known pretty much since he burst onto the scene that he has the capabilities to be a serious player. Like I'm talking, go deep into slams. I'm talking like he has, I don't know if he has it anymore. And I, and I, I personally think he does, but at the risk of sounding biased, I'm going to say, I'm not hundred percent sure he has it anymore, but when he bursts onto the scene, he had top 10 qualities. He had the ability, in my opinion, to get to the top 10 and, you know, he's got the game, he's got the mental strength on court. He's got the right attitude. He, you know, You'd, you almost want to just package it up and, you know, give it out to a couple of other Aussies out there who we think have the talent but possibly don't have the mental side of it intact. Cock and Arcus being fit is massive. It is massive mm. for Australian tennis. It's massive for the tour. He's such a nice guy. It is exactly what we need really at the moment. Um, he's, probably, he's probably almost the most talented Aussie we've seen coming through in the last decade or so that actually has the mental side of his game intact. I mean, he his talent, it may not be on the level of Kyrgios, but it's probably the closest to Tomic and Kyrgios that we've seen in the last decade. And he's got the mental side intact. It's just such a shame his body has let him down so often in the last decade. But, mate, if Kokonakis can put this, you know, together, I'm telling you right now, he will be top 50 by the end of the year. You can quote me on that. 
I, I would be absolutely shocked if he plays a full year on the tour, injury, no injuries, and he isn't top 50. Because I think that's where he, at the bare minimum, I think that's where he belongs. Yeah, no, I agree, Jed. And I'll tell you what, he, he played like a top 10 player today against Big John, isn't it? He was absolutely fantastic um, in those in those three breakers. And um, seeing him fit is a wonderful side. And um, just what, what, what is clear to me, like watching Tanasi play, and I've watched a few of his matches this summer, and there's obviously still a lot of water to go under the bridge um, so far. Of course, we've got the, the big stuff next week with the Aussie Open, but he just looks in a, in a really good space. He looks really confident. Um, in his game, and um, you know, by all by all reports, he's uh, he's put in a lot of hard yards over the off season. He just looks ready to go, and yeah, I, I just I cannot wait to watch him at uh, at Melbourne Park, boys. Uh, I couldn't, uh, mate. I could not agree more. I've spoken to him quite a bit this off season. By all reports, he feels in the best nick he's felt in his career. And I just want to ask you as well, which if I had to ask you what type of a player it would take to miss 12 to 18 months, and I'm talking zero matches, not just like missing most of the year. This is like zero matches. He, he played no tennis in 2020, mm. comes out, and his first match in 2021, well, not his first, but I think it was his second or third, third match in 2021, comes out and takes sits a pass to, f- to five sets. Yeah. If I had to ask you what type of a caliber player it would take to do that after missing an entire year with zero matches, You'd probably tell me someone that's in the top ten. Yep, you, you'd say you'd say like a Federer or a Djokovic or an Nadal. They're the only ones that would be able to go and do that. Because even you see, actually, I, I think case in point here, different injuries, albeit, but Andy Murray has taken an almighty time to come back, and he's still not in the top hundred. Yeah, and I mean, different. I, I, it's a good, it's a great comparison. The only difference is age, and I guess yeah. nine years difference. I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the age is big, um, but, you you know, like Murray thought he was going to retire, I can tell you right now, Kokonakis, he has said this publicly, he was pretty much as close to Murray to retiring. Mm. So it's, it, it's so impressive what he's been able to do, and it's so good to see him playing so well. It's great to have Tanasi back, and hopefully we can, uh, we can see him fit and firing for the rest of the year. And as you said, Jed, top 50 well and truly on the cards. But before we do let you go, um, what were some of your other highlights last week? We had the ATP Cup. We had the Melbourne Somerset. We had Adelaide. Um, we had a lot going on last week. So just start, run us through some of your highlights. Mate, it's, there was so much tennis. I actually haven't had a moment. And then we went straight into qualies the next day. You've not had a stopped. To, I've been there since the second. I haven't missed a day. And I've been leaving at like midnight. So I'm drained, mate. And AO hasn't even started. But what I will say is I haven't had a moment to sit down and reflect. And this is a good opportunity to do that. So I thank you for giving me this opportunity. Um, I, I think, oh, look, highlights from last week. I think just having tennis back at Melbourne Park. You know, having Nadal playing a 250 tournament at Melbourne Park. I mean, how good is that? How yep. good is that? The access for fans playing Brilliant. on Court 13. It's just, you know, for a tennis fan, this is like, you know, this is heaven. This is heaven. I was in heaven last week. And Val, I know <laughs> I know you couldn't be there, but I know you would have been heaven in heaven if you were there. And Joel, same with you. You would have been in heaven. It's, it's For sure. You know, it's exactly what you know tennis needs in australia we need we need that injection of january and and we've had it so far it's going to be ramped up when the oz open kicks off but 
yeah, last week, just having tennis back at Melbourne Park and Azal playing at 250. Osaka, Osaka playing at Melbourne Park as well. Yeah, Hallop, all of them playing mm. at Melbourne Park. It was, it was phenomenal. And I think that's the one thing, the saving grace for tennis last week wasn't the ATP Cup. It was Rafael Nadal being in Melbourne and being back on the tour because for yep. all the I'm negativity winning. surrounding the Novak Djokovic saga, Rafa being Rafa was just so, so, so good. And it was his first title in Rod Laver Arena since that 2009 Australian Open. And he's yeah. had a lot, his finals against Federer, he's had a final against Djokovic, he's had a final against Favrinka, another final against Federer, and another final against Djokovic. He's only won one of them. And now, well, Maxine Cressy joins a, joins a pretty illustrious crew to play Rafa in a final in RLA. And unfortunately, he couldn't get the job done. But um, yeah, I think that would, uh, that would really help Rafa get, get a, even though it's a very, very different event. But um, yeah, trophy number 89, I reckon, would be pretty sweet for Rafael Nadal. But Jed, before we do let you go, your tips for the Australian Open, what are they? Men's and women's singles titles. Mate, this, <laughs> you can't ask me this when we don't know if Djokovic is going to play. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I'm, thro- I'm throwing you under the bus. <laughs> I think, okay, okay, I'll give you two tips. If Novak plays, he wins. Uh, it's as simple as that. You know, yep. there's going to be so much fire in his belly. He's going to be... We have we, we've seen a beast in him for the last you know fifteen years, but I, I honestly think if he plays, this is another another level of beast that we will see unleashed at Melbourne Park. He won't lose if he plays. I'm happy. And we I'm saw happy we saw now. today. We saw how well he was. Oh, he was creaming him. Yeah, he was creaming him. So if if Djokovic plays, he wins. If he doesn't play, I'm tipping a new Grand Slam champion. I think Zverev. It's his time. It's his moment. He had a really good end to last year. He's probably due for a slam. You know, it's weird to say that about mm. someone, you know, that has never won one, but he's he's due for a slam, I think. Um, so I, I think Sasha will win it if Djokovic doesn't play. Um, but, mate, and I'm going to go back to this Kokonakis call, if he gets a soft draw, I, I'm being serious here. I think it's going to take one of the absolute best to beat him. And playing so many matches in Adelaide in two weeks is going to come at a disadvantage to him. So I, I am keeping that in mind. But you just you just watch the nasty. Just watch mm. him get a soft draw. He's going yeah. deep. I'd I'd say if he gets a soft draw, quarterfinals and possibly a semi. That is how bullish I am about him. I agree. I agree. And your women's is it Barty? Women's is Barty, mate. Yeah. Ash at home. She is looking in unbelievable. Nick, unbelievable. Takes down Shviontek. Takes down Kennan. You know, Rabakina, she is looking an amazing Nick. I'm so glad she didn't play this week. I'm sorry for those in Sydney. I know you would have loved to have seen her, but you know what? She is in amazing Nick. And I think it's gonna take it's gonna take someone big to beat her. And Osaka's probably the only one I can see beating her, but there's just so many question marks whenever Naomi takes the court. So it's hard to tip her for a slam. So I'm going Ash. Yep, agree. I could not agree can more. I, can Jen. I hear your tips though? All right, yeah, I guess we can. Uh, yeah, we can. Uh, we can go for it. Um, Joel, Mate, you, you, put, wanna, you put do you want me, on me to? Spot. I need to put you on the spot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> do, uh, look, I'll go first and say, and spare Joel some extra time. Um, okay, thanks, Joel. For the women, I agree. I think it's Ash. Uh, I think it's signed, sealed, and delivered. I'd be very surprised if she doesn't win it. I think the way that she's playing, she's just been in such ominous form, and the way she played mm. last week. 
um, against Kennan, against Rybakina, against uh, Sviontek, against Coco Golf. She was on fire and played brilliantly. She took the week off in Sydney. Expert move, in my opinion. I think the men's, I think the uh, the king, the octopus, Daniel Medvedev, I think he might be the one to beat because the way he finished the ATP Cup, I thought he was supreme. The only thing that beat him last week was the supreme heat in Sydney. He threw up on court into a bin against Hugo Umber and still nearly beat him. Um, and then he was rampant against Demonor. He was so good against Matteo Berrettini. And then he was brilliant against Felix Auger-Aliassime. Absolutely destroyed him. And Auger-Aliassime played a fantastic ATP Cup final against Roberto Batista Agu. So I think it's Daniel Medvedev for me on the men's side. He's got the confidence now. He's won a slam. He wants to go one better. I think it's going to be him. And I would be so happy if he did it. Joel. Yeah, no, me too. Um, look, yeah, tough to go against Novak if he does play. I just, I, I do wonder uh, if the episode and, you know, interrupted preparation will have an effect on him. Um, but look, Daniel does look in good form. So I might go with Daniel for for the men's side. Um, look, not to go against the grain or anything on uh, the women's side, but look, Ash, I mean, she... Look, is I think it's I think it's it's heart and and head with with Ash. Um, would love to see her win it. I will throw out a, a bit of a sneaky though. Um, Maria Sakari, I reckon she could do anything this tournament. Or if she wins it, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, it's almost like, it's almost the home crowd for her. There's a lot of yeah. Greeks yeah. in Melbourne. The most Greeks outside of Athens, actually. So, um, yeah, no, it's um, she. she's going to have a lot of vocal support behind her, as will Stefanot Tsitsipas. But, Jed, we'll let you go. I'm not sure exactly where you are right now, but you're outside in the dark, so I'm going to let you find your car and, um, and, and head back home. Thanks so much, guys. Always a pleasure joining you guys. I listen to you every week, so it's... I don't know if I'll listen to this episode. I don't like the sound of my own voice, but I am definitely uh, <laughs> going to listen to the next one when I'm not on. So uh, <laughs> thanks, guys. Appreciate so it. you're the reason why your shows aren't, aren't as high rating as what um, what they should be. Jed Zetzer, Jed Zetzer. That's, <laughs> that's, the, um, that, that's disappointing. Um, but no, thank you very much, mate. You're a star and we'll look out for your work. Um, follow Jed on Twitter because he has got, um, he's got everything covered. Anything you need to know about any Australian um, and anything that they do on tour, he's there. He practically stalks them. So Jed, have a lovely night. <laughs> mate and uh, and we'll, we'll catch you at the AO. Thanks guys appreciate it looking forward to seeing you next week Jed Zetzer there joining us from the first serve he is an absolute extraordinaire when it comes to everything Tennessee knows what's going on around Melbourne Park and uh, we've been on the grounds together today talking and watching some Aussies play and um, yeah it's it's um, it was nice to see some live tennis Joel I will admit um, after everything that happened last week I was actually sort of stuck with COVID so I was in isolation and missed a lot of tennis and um, yeah the old uh, the old bat virus caught me so um, so yeah. we're over it now thank God so we can uh, we can move on but yeah it's um this whole Novak situation did overshadow what was a great week. And there was so much tennis that was played. And the fact that we had tennis in Melbourne two weeks before the Open, it was so bizarre last year, but it was even more bizarre this year. The fact that, you know, they were actually playing on Rod Laver Arena because they used the show courts last year. And I think show court three had um, had all the matches. So yeah, it was it was just so bizarre, but so good to see Rafa back. So good to see Anna Samova mm. come back after her injury. Um, and and the ATP Cup as well, as, as we said. Like, it, what... 
2020 was such a resounding success for the ATP Cup. Played across three cities. Um, you know, the, uh, the what is it? The the secession state of, of Western Australia had, um, <laughs> they, they seem to be separated from the rest of us at the moment. Um, yeah, no one knows what they're up to. Yeah, not sure. Um, but yeah, so they had, uh, they had uh, a third of it. Brisbane had a third of it. Sydney had a third of it. Finals played in Sydney. Crowds were good. Players came um, and the tennis was great. Tennis wasn't necessarily bad in 2020, but COVID kind of affected, or sorry, 2021. COVID kind of affected the crowds in Melbourne. It was played in February when everybody was back at work. So that probably didn't help. Yeah. 2022 crowds were there, but I think COVID probably had another effect on it. And the fact that it was all in Sydney, again, all in the same city, probably didn't do it any favours either, did it? Yeah, no, I think there are a few things that have affected the ATP Cup in the last couple of years. Obviously, last year was the fact that, well, yeah, COVID was was still a thing. Um, bubbles, it was played entirely in Melbourne um, at a different time of year, a bit later. I think a big problem last year was that because it was in Melbourne, I think it kind of... I think it kind of took away from the event because we're so used to having such a smorgasbord of tennis. I think it kind of diluted the product a little bit that, you know, there's the ATP Cup, there was the Melbourne Summer Series, and then there's the Australian Open as well. So I don't think a lot of people were as excited about it. Um, And then this year, I think the fact that there's currently, well, COVID has exploded in in particular in Sydney and Melbourne. So I think I think that kept people away. I think people are choosing to stay home. Um, but then also the fact that, um, you know, a lot of the top players didn't actually play in it. So uh, Rafa wasn't there. Novak wasn't there. Obviously, we know that Roger Federer, you know, is, is been out for a while. Um, and I think that certainly affects things. Um, you know, even though there's no doubt that a lot of, you know, sort of those, those you know, kind of more hardcore tennis fans like us would, would go along and, and check it out. But I think a lot of, um, in quotation marks, sort of theatre goers that want to, you know, go and see the top 10 in action, even though there were some top 10 players there. Obviously, Medvedev was there, Berrettini was there, um, you know, Yannick Sinner, Alexander Zverev, Shapovalov, Felix Auger Aliassime. As good as those guys are, they, they don't quite have um, the, the star power that, you know, the Novaks, the Raffers, the Federers do. So I think that certainly affected things too. Yeah, I think you're right. And look, you've got from the top 10, you're missing Novak, but you've got Medvedev, you've got Zverev, you've got Tsitsipas. Rublev had COVID. Nadal probably could have played. Um, and then Berrettini played. Kasper Rude played. Auger Aliassime played, as you said. Hercatch, Sinner, Norris, yeah. Schwartzman, Shapovalov, Team and Federer are both injured. Then you've got Bautista Agu. He played. Christian Garin played as well from Chile. But then Monfils misses out. He goes to Adelaide, wins the title there. How about the trophy discrepancy there between Monfils' trophy and Karin Fashionov's trophy? Um, <laughs> yeah. Fashionov's look like a gecko. And Monfils, if, if you haven't seen it, go check it out on uh, on the ATP social media. But, looks like a big tentacle. It looked like a tentacle or an anaconda. One of Daniel Medvedev's arms. Yeah, it, it was bizarre. Go have a look because the disc- I've never seen such a discrepancy in a trophy apart from a Grand Slam where the winner gets a trophy and runner-up gets a plate. Um and it, it was just so bizarre. So go have a look at that. But then you've got Basilashvili, Isner, Evans played, Sonigo, um, Ch- uh, Ugo Umber. Um, th- there were so many players that actually played in the ATP Cup. So in that sense, it's great because it gets so many good players, but I think it's lost when it's in one city and it, it kind of gets buried 
um, in that sense. But look, yeah. it's a great event. And I think next year, if crowds are back and if there's less fear around COVID, which they rightfully should be, because we still don't know when we're out of it. I think that's um, that, that's the problem. But look, it is time for our favourite segment, Joel, the Benoit of the mm. Week. The Benoit of the Week, we had Novak win Benoit of the Year in 2020. We had Benoit pair the segment the, 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 of the man that's named, sorry, the man that the segment's named after. God, I cannot speak. It's too late at night. Um, he <laughs> won it in 2021. The first nomination of 2022, Joel, who is it? Well, I think you should take should take this one, Val, because uh, well, you're all over it. I think we're both all over it because that's all we've been reading for the last week. But look, uh, and you know what? I'm going to do it. The entire Djokovic family, they all get one. I'm going to be like, family. Wow. I'm going to be like Oprah to the, just the Djokovic family. You get a Benoit nomination. You get a Benoit nomination. You get a Benoit nomination. Serdian, what a pill. What an idiot for some of the things he was saying. Diana, what was she on? What was she talking about? No idea. George Djokovic. Uh, I don't know what he was going on about. Novak Djokovic. Just everything, everything that happened last week was bizarre. It was the comments were ridiculous. They need the, the family needs a PR. If they need anybody to do it, just call someone competent, please, because you just need someone to handle your PR. It really needs to be done. So make sure you look after it, please, Djokovic family. But all four of you get a Benoit nomination. Jo- Novak Djokovic is on one, Serdian on one, Diana Djokovic on one, and Jorge Djokovic on one. So they're the four leaders of the Benoit of the year already this year. We've got four. We've started with a bang, but I think it's fitting considering the week that we've had. It's been so bizarre. We'll, as I said, we'll never see anything like it again. And Joel, thank you very much for being a part of it to discuss it with me. Oh, that's right, Val. I actually had I had an honourable mention, a positive Benoit. That's about tennis. Yeah. Oh, for the week. Ooh. Yeah, a positive Benoit because this guy had a, had a bloody good day earlier this earlier this week in Australian Open qualifying. I, I think, think it, I, know I where think you're going. Yeah, I think yeah. Okay, so he's a wild card into Aussie Open qualifying. World number one thousand seven hundred and sixty-eight. Edward Winter, seventeen-year-old Aussie, knocked out Gilles Simon. Can you believe that? How, no, how incredible is that? What a what a win! Insane, absolutely insane. Uh, winter came early in Melbourne this year. <laughs> I'm throwing it out there, but no, absolutely phenomenal. He's ranked outside the top 1700, and he's beaten a guy that's been to a Grand Slam quarterfinal, been to the ATP finals, been inside been the top 10. That's crazy, just insane. And yes, Simon's old, but and the funny thing is, he's twice the age of Edward Winter, mm. twice Madness. the age. So yeah. absolute madness. So yeah, amazing result for Edward Winter, born in two thousand and four, I think. So just makes me feel so 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 <laughs> old. Um, amazing result, amazing. But Joel, as I said, thank you very much for being a part of the show tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure to start another year talking tennis with you because it's uh, it's one of my favourite things to do. Yeah, no, likewise, mate. Good to be back, Val. And uh, yeah, bring on the Aussie Open. Let's yep. do it. Bring it on. Very excited about actual tennis being discussed rather than a court case um, and and COVID-19 because it started pretty much the the way the last two years have finished. But um, we hope that 
we covered the Novak Djokovic story and and went through all the details as well as we could have. There's a lot more that has transpired. And I think we got some names wrong um, in this situation because there are that many. So we apologize for that. But um, no, we we corrected them in the end and we're all good. But yeah, no, we hope that we covered it well. Um, we hope that you understand what's happened. But um, yeah, we've got uh, we've got plenty more to get through for the rest of January here on Breakpoint Podcast. Val Febo and Joel Frucci joining you. Remember, follow us on Twitter, Breakpoint Podcast or Breakpoint Pod, Instagram, Breakpoint Podcast, Facebook, Breakpoint Podcast, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and wherever you get your shows from, we are there. We'll catch you next week. Oz Open's about to start. Get excited. January is here. I'm just going to start a new meeting. Yep, no worries.